Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, Binaural Production Engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there, hopefully, because I'm having some issues with my website, and I need to find a web person. Anyway... Our guest for today is Katie Hess, and she has written a book called Flower Evolution, and she also has a podcast, too. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Gary. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, do flowers talk to each other? Absolutely. And to us. Ah, plant communication. How does it work? <laughs> is it chemical communication, telepathic communication? Is it through pollen? Is it through the insects? What's going on? Is it through the roots in the ground? Did it communicate? I mean, everything and all of the above. Everything that you said is a total valid assertion. The part that I'm the most interested in is the part that's that we can't see, that we just feel whether you call it telepathic or energetic, it's like, um, you know, when you walk into a flower shop and you're drawn to a certain flower over the others, you know, or um, when you know that you probably wouldn't give your mom a dozen mm, long stem red roses, or you probably wouldn't give your lover white lilies. Like everything has a different sort of feeling and we already speak that language. It's just um, being more in tune to it. I think of it as like floral Wi-Fi. You know, each flower has a, uh, like an electrical frequency that it's emitting. Mm-hmm. And we're picking that up. We just kind of have forgotten that that's what we do innately. Now, is it okay to pick flowers and take them out of the ground? Or should we just leave them alone and enjoy them in their natural environment? There's a time and place for everything, right? I guess it depends on the person. I think if if there's total abundance, go for it. And uh, I always ask permission, you know, before I pick, just because I'm that way. But also, it's really nice to leave them and let them be and let them grow and let other people enjoy them. So I guess it, it depends on, you know, which flower and how many are there and what's the situation. <laughs> Yeah, see, I can't pick a flower because I'd feel like a murderer. That's why I don't even cut my grass. <laughs> I get it. I mean, it's that, like, wild look, right? Like, ne- let nature be. Well, yeah. Plus, I just don't want to kill it, you know, or yeah. hurt it. You know, I don't want to create injury to something that is alive and conscious. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I believe that plants and flowers and everything is conscious to you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, people think I'm funny when I say like floral Wi-Fi, you know, as something to kind of visualize the world we live in. But 
we all have cell phones and we don't really understand how those work. You know, how do we send podcasts and videos and poetry and music across invisible waves through space that we can't see, you know? So it's like, we accept that technology, but then the fact that mother nature has the same thing for billions of years, maybe to some seems out there, but you know, there are formidable studies showing that bees actually are attracted to flowers, not based on color or scent. It's through the energetic frequencies that are being emitted that they feel in the little hairs on their legs. Mm. And there's a dynamic communication occurring. And then have you seen, you might've seen it. Um, the work of, Cleve Baxter, the guy who was a, an expert in the lie detector machine in the CIA. Yeah. Have you seen any of his work? He was a funny guy. He like got curious one night. He was this expert in the polygraph machine and he taught, you know, all of the members of the CIA how to use it. And one night he got curious, like, hmm, what would happen if I hooked up my machine to my little office philodendron here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that started this like whole series of wild experiments where he realized that actually plants were communicating, were super receptive, were psychic, knew our thoughts. He started out by saying like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I just like lit this leaf on fire. And before he even had a chance to get out the matches, the plant was like, ah, registering stress, just like you said. So after that point, he, you know, it really shook him and he, um, you know, it just like led him down this whole path of seeing that, wow, plants could actually identify the murderer in the room that they were so in tune to us that they could feel our stress, even if it was like hundreds of miles away. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there is research out there showing this kind of communication. Like my first exposure to it was uh, the book Secret Life of Plants. Yeah, his work was in there. Was it? I thought yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what got, what got you into it? Oh, gosh. Oh, you know, just like being young. And not knowing what the heck to do with my life, getting out of college, having had to wait. You know, I was one of those little kids living in a small town in the middle of nowhere, Midwest, and like looking for my tribe, looking for my people. Had to like hunker down and endure until I got through university and then was like, okay, now I'm here to do what I'm here to do, which is, I don't know, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I just, you know, started searching and traveling and, looking and ended up running into this expert in flower remedies who was from Madrid, Spain. And he just really opened my eyes, you know, to the whole world of like nature and how every plant was helping us in a different way and how, how it could create this ripple effect. And, you know, he said, ultimately, if we could get 3% of the world's population working with these remedies, we would change the outcome of the future of the planet. And I just had that sense of like, God, I really want to like make an impact with my life, but I, I didn't know how. And, you know, sometimes we feel really small in comparison to all the problems in the world. And so I was just really taken by that idea that, you know, just a few of us can make a huge difference. So what kind of remedies like, like come from flowers and plants? Like what are some of the most useful remedies out there where did they come from can ordinary people make them my god your questions are so good so i mean remedies for anything and everything you could ever imagine any human condition neurotic worry fear 
there's a flower for it. If you're not sleeping, if you want more love, if you want to laugh more, if you feel tension or stress, if you've got unresolved childhood stuff, who doesn't, right? Like, did mom or dad give us enough attention or not, or too much attention? Or did we feel rejected? Or do we feel like we belong? Or gosh, the world's really crazy right now. And feeling like we're stepping out into the unknown and everything's a little weird. And I feel you know, like I mean, it's every like, day. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the the complexity and range of human experience and that we all kind of hold it all at once. There's a flower for anything and everything you could imagine. There are 40,000 flowering species of plants on the planet. And there are valuable remedies from all over the world, from your backyard when they spring up just for you to, you know, in my experience, Costa Rica is the best for like unearthing subconscious fears and Iceland flowers are like childlike wonder and fun and magic and Southeast Asian flowers are like getting things done and prosperity and abundance. So there's remedies all over the place and um, yes, ordinary people can make them. It's a very simple process actually. It's, it's more about intention and depth of your wish and desire to benefit. So do we have to like, like, do you just use the flower as it is or we dry it out and make it an elixir or mix it with other flowers and make it oil? And so many things you can do with flowers, right? Um, for the flower essence part, if you're really just concerned about emotional wellness, mental, spiritual, energetic wellness, you're going to want to get the flower as it's growing in the earth. It's still connected. It's in the dirt and it's at its full bloom point um typically in the morning and you'll you know ask permission and then you cut the flower and you soak it in water in a clear glass bowl for a couple hours and the sunlight will drive or catalyze the uh, energetic components or homeopathic essence into the water you can use that water if it's not a poisonous flower you can drink it mm -hmm. um, if it is poisonous you can dump it over your head you can put it into your bath um you can bathe your dogs in it. <laughs> There's so many ways to, it's very simple. It's uh, very safe too. It's not like, you know, so many herbs and essential oils, you kind of have to be careful with elders or pregnant women or kids, but flower essences, you literally can pretty much do anything as long as you're not bathing in poisonous hmm. flowers. So I don't know that many varieties of flowers, but I'm going to do my best to rattle a few off, and you can tell me what they're good for. Yeah. Sunflowers. Joy and expansion, dissolving stubbornness, and resolving old fatherhood wounds. Roses. Softness, tenderness, nourishment, nurturing, deleting from your DNA any, like, I have to struggle in order to make this worthy. Dandelion. Dandelion releases neck and shoulder tension and helps you understand how you store stress in your body. You can also make uh, wine out of it. Dandelions are amazing. Oh, my God. They're the best for cleaning. And if you're using it like an herbal remedy with the wine, you can clean your blood and skin. And it's one of the best tonics. We need it, right? And then here we are like weed killer and trying to get rid of mud of our lawns. Yeah. <laughs> Nature's giving us the best medicine that we need. Um, tiger lily. 
You know, I don't know. I've been kind of obsessed with tiger lilies in the past, you, you know, five or six years. And I haven't had a conversation with them, but they seem pretty kind of like in touch with their wild side. What do you think? Yeah, I would probably go with like a, a fire type of energy with the tiger lily, you know, creative, spontaneous, um, fearless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have any growing where you are? I don't know what grows here. I just kind of moved here like three months ago. So. Oh my gosh. And it's been winter. So where did you move from? I was living in Alabama for the last five years. And now I live in New Jersey. Wow, that's a huge move. Well, I lived in New Jersey before. I moved from New Jersey to Alabama back to New Jersey. Wow. What made but, you go back to New Jersey? Um, a divorce. Mm -hmm. Wife took off. Mm -hmm. But I'm still, I'm way happier here. Yeah. Honestly. And then when summer comes, it'll be Yeah, everything. No, I live right by the beach, so yeah, it's going to be awesome. Wow. So let me see. What other flowers do I know? Um, daffodil. Hmm. I never really had a conversation with daffodil, but daffodil is pretty cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> it also kind of looks like a trumpet. It might be good for like broadcasting your message. Hmm. Um, let's see what I have to Honeysuckle. Is that a flower? Honeysuckle is a flower. It's a lot of people's favorites. It's usually for helping people be in the present moment and dissolving nostalgia. Buttercup. <laughs> Picking all the like cheerful yellow ones. They make people happy. <laughs> well, I heard my mom used to think, like, pick up a buttercup and if it like made your skin. You hold it next to you, and if it makes it like yellow, it means you're you're in a good mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what about lilacs? Do you have lilacs up there? Are those are the things that the, the whole bunch of little flowers in a big bundle. Yeah, yeah, it's for like flexibility, and um, that would be a good one for you because it's like when you're moving and changing, like big transitions, it just helps you like be open to new possibilities. And what are some good flowers that people could have in their home? I mean, honestly, anything they're attracted to, mm -hmm. whether it's fresh, whether they got it at the flower shop or they picked it from their backyard or they grew it in their garden or even just images of botanicals on the wall and wallpapers, you know, so they have those like removable wallpapers or images. Like there have been so many studies that show that even just visual images are healing to us, that it already regulates our heartbeat. Um, so I would say anything that you feel attracted to in my, you know, 20 plus years of experience, what I know is that even if you don't know what that botanical is for, if you're drawn to it, your senses will always show you what you need the most in the moment. So you can always just trust whatever you feel drawn to, bring it in. It's not necessarily an indulgence. It's like a, it's medicine. Mm -hmm. um, I had a question. I just forgot about it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I know what it was. You know, you're saying about like like you know what it is we're attracted to, and that all these flowers have these different, you know, like there's not like a a bad flower. Um, is there any connection do you think between flowers and sacred geometry? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not a specialist in that, so I can't speak from an intelligent position. But I did have a teacher or mentor once who who was saying things like there are certain geometric shapes that we absorb through the crown of our head from the sun. And those shapes are also absorbed into flowers and flowers are like kind of little emitters of the sun's sacred geometry. And there is actually one flower, the crown flower. It's one of the milkweed, like a tropical milkweed species. And um, that particular flower helps us, like receive better receive those sacred geometry shapes from the sun you know i more than that i can't speak from a, an intelligent place but i would say i wouldn't doubt that there's a huge connection yeah i think everything sort of leads back anyway to sort of that sacred geometry type of vibration um because of like um what is it Sem semantics or do you like you know like you make shapes out of sound I wonder if you could do that with flowers. Oh, yeah. And just, just because you can't hear their song doesn't mean they're not singing. You know? Actually, there's a device out there, right? Have you seen that <laughs> device that you can connect the plants and you can listen to the plant? Yeah. There's a guy who I just followed on Instagram. Taryn, I think is his name. And he hooks them, he's been hooking them up to mushrooms and fruits and flowers and then listening to the music that the shifts in their bioelectrical energy makes is that what you've seen too yeah 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 i've tried to get the inventor on my show but i haven't been successful yeah it's pretty cool um so what is your favorite flower um that's a hard question um i guess like all-time favorite never get tired of it is the night blooming jasmine i like it because it's you know, when you look at it, it's like, it's like a little white star. You know, it's totally unassuming. It doesn't like hit you over the head or anything. Seems pretty ordinary. But then if you like walk by, it's just like totally arresting, enveloping, like, whoa, mind blowing, you know, with fragrance. Hmm. The smell of jasmine makes me horny. That is a side effect. Yep. <laughs> so I'm not the only one. No, that's pretty common. <laughs> yeah, it's an aphrodisiac for sure. You know, another one that I love, Gary, is um, it's got a funny name, frog lily. Have you ever seen a frog lily? It's have. like, it's like psychedelic. It's like polka dots and purple and blue, and uh, it's so beautiful. I saw it growing wild in Japan once, um, and some people have it potted, but. Seems to be pretty rare. It's really beautiful. Hmm. Have you ever like taken psychedelics and just hung out and looked at flowers? I mean, it's not my, um, I guess, I guess I like anything that takes me from my natural state of awareness. Mm -hmm. I like prefer my natural state of awareness. You know, when you're kids, you do all kinds of things. Yeah, but, but I'm talking like, 
mushrooms. I mean, a mushroom in a way is a flower. So you're taking something natural to to look at a flower, or even um, poppy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's know? a time there's a time and place for everything. All, and... all, all these things sort of are, are, are plants, or you know, yeah. And yeah, because I've had other guests that were really into like taking different mm-hmm. substances and then just mm-hmm. hanging around in nature, like they just go into a garden and spending mm-hmm. like days there trying to, you know, having these experiences with plants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, like for me personally, I prefer to do it the slow method. Like sometimes I see people have these like radical, intense experiences. But then it kind of fades away or like the insight or the wisdom is like short lived. So I'm more like the turtle, you know, there's like the turtle and the hare, you know, who wins the race. The hare can sometimes get distracted. So I think, you know, no judgment, but I think sometimes people can get distracted on that path. The turtle is like, hmm, maybe I could take this flower essence. Oh, wow. I like see something about myself that I didn't see before. And then maybe a month later you're working with a different plant. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. But you're fully conscious, fully aware, you know, there's no distraction. And so I guess from my perspective, it's like the turtle and the hare, you know, I I go the turtle mode, but. Uh, So so, so, so you think that way is like a shortcut, you know, versus like meditation. Yeah, I think it's a shortcut and it's not really sustainable and it doesn't really last your whole life. Like I've never met I've never met anyone who became fully enlightened from taking psychedelics. Can a person become fully enlightened because of flowers? It can open the door and then ultimately you have to walk through it yourself. Meditation is an incredible tool that can also help you walk through that door. How does that happen? How does one use a, use flowers in meditation to reach enlightenment? Like, how do we open that door or even get to see the door in that case? Yeah, I mean, I think in a very simple way, flower essences, for example, they show us our blind spots. You know, somehow we know innately that there's more potential. You know, like if I'm teaching a class and I'm like, okay, raise your hand if you think that you've maxed out your potential. You know, if I were like, Gary, do you think that you're the most loving, kind, generous, expansive, bold, fearless that you will ever become in your life? Like you're not ever going to expand from this point. I doubt you'd say, yeah, yeah, I hit my max and that's it, right? It's like, Uh, I don't know. I think I'm pretty close. You're pretty close. Okay, you're pretty close. But like we always kind of know there's more. Um, And so, I mean, flowers, for example, show us our blind spots. Meditation also shows us our blind spots. There are all kinds of things that we show, shove in the closet or under the rug that we don't want to see. You know, grasping and attachment and um, fears and... And a lot of it has to do with just like embracing all of those parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and accepting all of those parts of ourselves. And I think in our culture, especially, it's easy to like be really hard on ourselves or hate parts of ourselves or like disconnect from parts of ourselves. 
and that creates a kind of fracturing. And so from my perspective, all of these tools kind of help us integrate all the parts and pieces of ourselves, and um, be able to embody more compassion and love and wildness. <laughs> How is that done though? Like, do I just like go outside, look for a flower and sit next to it and meditate? I mean, that's one way for sure. Flowers. My, neighbor, my neighbors already think I'm weird, so. <laughs> I'm sure you are weird. That's a good thing. Weird is good these days. <laughs> you don't want to be like status quo, just be a follower sheep, right? <laughs> Can't help it. It's just who I am. <laughs> you know, like putting your feet on the ground, sitting under a tree, being around plants, all of those things help elicit our natural state. And then add meditation to that where you're being aware of your breath, aware of your thought patterns, aware of your emotional patterns. Um, I believe that the real us is not our thinking mind. It's not our emotions. None of that is our true nature. And it's about finding that space in between the thoughts that is our, our true, true nature. So it's interesting that you say that. Because the first time I, I heard that idea was from uh, a Buddhist teacher, Trumpa Rinpoche. He was and, and um And he was also really into flowers. He was really mm -hmm. big into flower arrangement. That's true. Yeah, I mean, in the Buddhist tradition, flowers are a symbol of purity. It's like their purity is unsurpassed. You know, there's there's no staining. Flowers aren't like... Am I big enough? Am I small enough? Do I smell good enough? Am I, you know, they're just like full glory themselves. If we could each, you know, be just be like flowers, I think we'd, we'd be okay. Yeah, Chogyam Trungpa was, a, was an incredible teacher. He has some great writings, teachings. Hmm. Also, I would imagine that flowers utilize some of our primary senses sight um, and smell like there's very few um, tools that we use in meditation I mean, other than oils and stuff but but smell is is a huge trigger for the mind yeah that's a good point when you're when you're in nature you've got like the texture you know you can touch it you can smell it you can see it uh, energetically it's um hitting you i even you know i have a a lemon lime prayer plant sitting next to where i meditate and it's one of those ones that like folds up its leaves and then opens them up and i can hear it like i'll be sitting doing my practice and it's like i can hear the leaves relaxing it's just so wild <laughs> the guy who i i wrote the book with he's a hollywood filmmaker and he does all those like time lapse photography you know, flowers blooming and, you know, he, he always describes flowers as like, you know, it's like, it's like the reproductive system of mother nature. It's like pure sex. It's like, you know, you're just like arrested by the beauty. Like who isn't arrested by the beauty of flowers? They're like seductive. and Yeah. I mean, that's why I would like, you know, like the whole Jasmine thing, you know, like if I could go out in the middle of a field of Jasmine and just take off my clothes and lay under the stars it would be awesome. 
It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably go to jail and be a sex offender or something. But well, it's like it's like nature has this way of um, bringing out who we really are. You know, the innocence, the purity. It's like you you talk, you're joking about it, but it's like you know well, we didn't come into this world like with clothes on. Like yeah, we came, I'm talking we, about that though. Like it's sort of like going back to being really who we are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And not being afraid of showing all the parts of ourselves. Yeah. Being like fearless enough to express who is that we truly are. Like in a way, we're, we are sort of the same shape as a flower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially if I could get my head to bloom. <laughs> Which in a way, I think that's what spirituality is about. You know, like, like yeah, like maybe I can't actually bloom my physical head, but I can reach out with my consciousness mm -hmm. and blossom like that way. Yeah, I mean, we we can't see, you know, we can't see love, but we know it exists. You know, there's this giant flower in our heart that can melt and relax and open and bloom. It's so funny to me that we live in this weird Western world where everyone's so skeptical of things they can't see, but we can't see love. And that's one thing we understand. Oh, to there's be true. tons of stuff that we can't see. You don't, can't see electricity, you can't see radio waves, you can't see, you can't see thoughts, but you know people are thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, the base thing is just on, on that is completely ridiculous. And, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we're we sort of superficial and don't really enjoy the things that are in front of us. So we don't use those tools to the things that are right in front of us and stay in the present moment to really grow and find out who we truly are. Yeah, it's like we become obsessed with the external world. And we think it's separate from us, like a, it's happening to us versus like cultivating this inner essence that we have. And then ultimately recognizing that through that, we pretty much have the capacity as human beings to alter everything around us. You know, speaking of Buddhists, I've heard stories of some yogis and treasure finders and, you know, great masters in the Himalayas who have such a like matrix understanding of quantum physics that they just like <sighs> imprint their footprint in a rock. Mm -hmm. And you think, damn, if that's what every human is actually capable of, if we understood the true nature of reality and space and how from the inside we can impact the outside versus everything's just happening to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's almost like we're, what we're really afraid of is like how actually powerful we are. That's the whole point of my podcast is to get people to ex experiment with different things to find out that we're way more than, than what we think we are. Yeah. You know, kind of scary because then that's like a lot of responsibility, right? It's like, no, I don't oh, I think it's scary, but it's also 
a threat to um, the people the people that want to control us. Yeah, hundred percent. You know the people the, the the whole it's a threat to consumerism, really. You know, I mean, they would rather somebody would rather sell you a five hundred dollar Louis Vuitton purse than give you a free a uh, free Tiger Louis. And obviously, the Tiger Louis is probably way more beautiful anyway. And you know. There's some kind of magic about that because when we would do events in big cities, we would do these things called flower flash mobs. We did it in New York City a couple times Mm -hmm. in Chicago, San Francisco. And we would do just exactly that, what you said. We would like get a ton of orchids and hand out orchids or hand out roses or, and you know, and like to see people in Union Square, like, They're just like trucking through with like a kind of mildly irritated look on their face. Literally, all you have to do is like, here, this is for you. I don't need anything in return. And when people get that you're not trying to sell them, you're not asking for anything in return, you literally just want to make their day by giving them a flower. It's kind of unreal what happens on their face. It's like something so small, but they just feel like, oh my God, like so special, like some exchange of love that happens Mm -hmm. and just like pure raw humanity you know like when you're five years old and you're just like hey gary you want to be my friend (laughs) it's funny because i I have a friend who would she would dress up sort of like like this outrageous goddess costume with all these flowers and prints and stuff and she would fill a basket full of flowers and drive to new york and she would just walk around and hand out flowers <laughs> in like Times Square yeah. or Tomskin Park or wherever. That's the best feeling. It she, really is. She would always do that. That's so awesome. Everybody thought she was crazy, but she 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 absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone listening, you know, try it. It is really fun. It's super fun. I mean, people might think it was strange, but it, I mean... I don't know. I think maybe that's part of it, too, is overcoming that judgment. You know, like, okay, I'm not going to worry about what these people are thinking about me. I'm going to put their happiness before that and try to make them happy anyway. Right. And there's this whole dynamic of giving and receiving. It's like, can I just give unconditionally? And then also, can I receive unconditionally? Like, here's this, like, stranger. I don't know who's handing me this flower. Am I going to, like, soften enough to open and just, like, receive it and be like, wow, thank you. You know, it's um, it's a funny, it's a funny exchange, the giving-receiving. What do you think about, I I know like where the tradition came from for for like doing flowers at funerals. It was originally to sort of hide the scent of death, you know. Um, I I have a different philosophy. Do you? I think, yeah. I mean, I I think that flowers typically make their appearance in our culture when we are going through a big change. You know, like we fall in love, or we get sick, or we die. 
or um, we get married. Mm. It's like all those points in our life when flowers come in is when there is a huge change that we need assistance with. Interesting. I've never thought of that. <laughs> but yeah, I guess they help us through those major transitions. Yeah. Hmm. And it is an expression, you know, like how is it that you, when you give someone flowers, you kind of feel like you're giving them a piece of your heart. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it's weird because it's really like, like, you know, well, one of my favorite things, like if I'm trying to date somebody or whatever, or, or even if I am with that, that person, one of my favorite ways to show affection is to give them flowers. Because hmm. it almost like never fails. In fact, I don't think it's ever failed. For me. Nobody's ever said like, no, I'm not taking these and throwing them in the trash. Right. <laughs> you know, it's funny when we... When um, we came out with the book and I was trying to figure out, you know, like, how do we have a book launch and what do we do? And we ended up buying thousands of flowers. We did the first launch in New York City. We rented a space and we just built these huge flower mandalas on the floor and we put candles everywhere and the lights were dim and we had edible flower food. And it was like we hung orchids from the ceilings. You know, people had to like walk through these curtains of orchids. And it was so arresting, I think, because people, you know, coming in from New York City and it's just like this giant space that's created like this altar, this sacred offering mm -hmm. so that you can find yourself, so that you can come back to yourself and what's most important to you. And I, I remember just, you know, people coming up like, can you sign my book? And they would be like tears in their eyes, like, you have no idea how much I needed this. And my team and I were like, what do we do? We didn't do anything for them. We just like set up this beautiful sacred space. And then I realized like, oh, wow, how many, you know, how little places in our culture we have where we can just be, we can just like put down all our baggage and our stress and just uh, find ourselves again. Mm -hmm. And I think flowers are such a, a, a tool for that. Oddly, you know, an, an unexpected they bring you into the present moment and remind you of who you are. Yeah, and I guess too, because it's that is that whole experience of the smell, the feel, you mm -hmm. know, it, it hits all the senses yeah. at one time um, versus, you know, something that might just, we look at and only see it visually. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the only thing I think no, I mean, I mean, again, like they, they probably do have sound too. Yeah. I mean, whether we're able to hear them subconsciously or not, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we can, humans have the ability to hear plants on some level? Yeah, I just don't think it goes through the, the ears. It's telepathic. <laughs> you know what? You would totally groove. I should find this video for you. There's a video out there of this guy who is an audiophile, right? He's like mm -hmm. super into like tube amplifiers and CD players and no digital. It's all like the purest form of music. And then he went deaf. 
And he had to essentially listen to the music. It's almost like a whole other sense organ opened up and he can hear the music. It like sends a signal to his brain, but he's not actually using his sense of hearing. It's the wildest thing I've ever seen. So, I mean, just to answer your question, I think, yeah, for sure. It's just not how we think, la, 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 you know. <laughs> Much like that, what is it, like synesthesia, where people can like, you know, hear colors and taste sounds. and yeah. Because they're all just a form of vibration. Right. And if we're only using 10% of our mental capacity, then what's the other 90%? You know, mm-hmm. like what are we capable of that we don't know we're capable of? Yeah, Louis, when he does his time-lapse photography, they, they move. That's for sure. You know, we see them as these like inanimate objects that just kind of sit there, but they're like moving and dancing and blooming and just at a different pace than we are. Hmm. Um. So what are some of the common ways that, that people can incorporate flowers into their lives um, just to, to help them deal with stress and to help them with emotional growth mm-hmm. and trauma? I mean, the easiest way, you know, is just to like work with flower essences, bring them into your everyday life. Maybe it's winter. Maybe you can't go for a walk. Put the you know, elixirs in your coffee, water, tea. That's super easy. If you're, if you're living in a place where you have access to flowers, you know, buying yourself cut fresh flowers, getting your hands in the dirt, growing flowers in your garden, just spending time in nature, like as much connection as you can having house plants, you know, even just having some house plants, we transformed in 2020, we transformed our office space into like a jungle. Mm-hmm. We put in grow lights and we have all these tropical. You can't even imagine how different it feels. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, any kind of connection you can to, to nature, I say go for it. You know, that's something I have to do with my house. Because, you know, I just moved here. But I'm gonna, I got to get plants. Because one of the things I've noticed in my house is that in front of every window, there's like these hooks on the ceiling for hanging plants. Hey. Uh, every window in my house has them. So now it I works gotta, out. So now I got to get some plants. Um, they're going to be easy for me to take care of. Easy peasy is like this guy behind me. What is it? Uh, uh, what are those called? One over here is a philodendron. This guy. This guy. What's it called? They get, you know, really long arms and you can kind of string them along mm-hmm. your walls. Ivy? And no. I'll have to look it up. They are the easiest things to grow, I swear. You just can't that's, kill. That's what I need. I need plants that I can't kill. Okay, let me find the name. Um, and they also, you know, purify the air. They're really good for creating more oxygen. Uh, they get rid of toxins in the air. And since they'll be hanging off the ceiling, I don't have to worry about my dog. Right, because some plants are not so good for animals. Yeah, like, uh, oh, what's that Christmas plant that's really bad for cats? Christmas cactus? 
No, it's that red thing. Oh, poinsettia. Yeah. Poinsettia? Okay, this easy one is pothos. P-O-T-H-O-S, pothos. Those guys, good luck trying to kill them. Pothos? <laughs> I'll have to, uh, actually, hold on one second. I'm going to put it in my Google browser so I don't forget. Those guys, and you can, like, you can cut off an arm and just shove it in the dirt, and they just grow. It's just so prolific. You can create oh, a little jump. It's called devil's ivy, too. Devil's ivy. It's <laughs> appropriate for me. <laughs> I'll have to see where I can find some. Yeah, that's what I have to do. I also have to get plants for my outside, too. But New Jersey's pretty good for flowers, for different yeah. types of flowers. Yeah. Maybe I'll get some perennials or something. Yeah, and a fun thing to do is, like, notice what you're drawn to, and then you can kind of, like, hmm, what is the quality of this flower? How does it make me feel? Or, you know, what's its personality? In three words. And then you kind of formulate what those three words are. Then you know what the inside of you is longing for more of. It's like what you want to embody more of. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say my, my fairies are definitely sunflower. Mm -hmm. um, I love the smell of jasmine. And I also like those little purple flowers. Violets? Is that what they're called? So if you were going to describe the sunflower in three words, how would you describe it? Um, hmm. Well, it's definitely like when I look at the sunflower, it's like it's reaching for the sun, you know? It's like, so so it's definitely sort of like reaching out for like enlightenment or something like that. Um, it's definitely a happy type of flower. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's nurturing too because it makes all those sunflower seeds. True. I love eating sunflower seeds. How would you describe Jasmine in three words? Um, I would say like dreamy, sexual, fantasy. How about the little purple ones? Um, I would say a little bit. There's a little bit of like a, a royalty. Um, they're kind of feminine, and a little bit mysterious. Hmm. So based on all of that, I would say if those are the ones you're drawn to right now, those are the elements of yourself that you're looking to like expand even more into and embody this reaching for sun and enlightenment, happiness, nurturing, dreamy, sexual, fantasy, royalty, feminine. It could be your feminine side, but it could also be like working with women more um, and mysteriousness. Does that sound like you or things that you're embodying more of these days? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of who I am. For the most part. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean I mean there's like another side of me too, but that links to, you know, heavy metal and stage diving and stuff like that, but there's no flowers <laughs> that do that. Or if there are, I don't know what they are. I mean <laughs> maybe the tiger lily. <laughs> right. <laughs> tiger lily is definitely a rocker. <laughs> or, or or Venus flytrap. Venus flytrap cool. count as a flower? They do have a flower, actually. It's for timing. It's like, you know, grabbing it when it's the right timing. Like, like holding, 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 building, 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 building. Don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. Go now. 
or maybe types yeah. of types of vines too. I guess we've kind of embraced that, you know, that they just sort of take over and they're overwhelming. Bamboo, like you can't stop that stuff from growing. Mm-mm. Although it's, I don't know if it's a flower, but it's a grass, but it 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 helps us um, make the impossible possible. Like I know, like like it, where my where I grew up in Princeton, it's like everywhere. You know, it's not even native to there. Like somebody planted it and just took over. Yeah. Yeah, super prolific. I don't know if it's invasive, but it's it's pretty cool. You can make everything out of it. Yeah, bamboo dissolves that like I can't do it feeling. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. It's just like I can do it. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a lot like? Like one of the, you know, I'm sure you're familiar like with all that this stuff about hemp and how hemp can be used to make all these different things like from paper, fabrics, mm-hmm. even even fuel, right, and, and medicines. Yeah. Um, what what is your opinion on that? Do you do you think that we should be growing more hemp? I mean, I think there's a million uses for it. Why not? Hmm. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I know in like some places, like surprisingly, Alabama is like placed where they're actually really trying to get the growing of hemp legalized for the farmers down there because they can make a lot more money off of that than they can from cotton and peanuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I just do. I, I mean, there's just so many uses for it. We used to use it all the time for, for stuff. And then we replaced it with all these things that were are terrible for us and for the planet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that it gets a bad rap, right? Because uh, it's also can be abused, but there's so many wonderful qualities to that plant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is the most overlooked flower? The, the flower that sort of has all kinds of value to it, but but nobody ever really recognizes it, you know? Like the like the black sheep of the flower world. I'd say dandelion. Really? Yeah, I mean just because there's tremendous health benefits and literally every American needs it in their diet. Like we have no bitter you know in the in the East in traditional Chinese medicine they would say if you have all five tastes in your diet, you're gonna live a really long life. Mm-hmm. And the one taste we really just don't have here, except for coffee, would be bitter. We don't eat bitter foods. We don't eat bitter gourd. We don't, you know, bitter eat. And dandelion is a bitter. So it's 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 just everywhere. It's so good for us, and we all need it. We all have neck and shoulder tension. We all have, you know, clogged blood that needs cleaning. Um, but it is kind of under attack. my grandfather used to put dandelion in everything he used to make grand dandelion wine dandelion salads you know he would just pull them out of the ground and eat them i mean but 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 he was a guy who never bought food from a store he grew all his own food that's so cool did he live a long life he died it everybody in my family dies at 88 Hmm, that's pretty long yeah, That's a good... he well he was a heavy smoker too when he was younger, 
So he probably would have lived a lot longer if he hadn't had bad habits. My grandmother used to have me take the, you know, pull the dandelion flowers off and then she'd fry them in butter. And I just remember it being like one of the most delicious things I ever had. So good. I'm like, why don't we do that? Like, like it's just all right there in, in <laughs> there's just so much dandelion, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't we do that? I think they're overlooked. Yeah. Pro probably a lot of these things that we look like. I remember I was, when I was in Alabama, I would get these, you know, I didn't know any of the plants, so I looked them up on my phone. And mm -hmm. a lot of the weeds that they have down there have all sorts of medicinal properties. So I was using some type of um, plant identification app to look them up. And again, like I would always get yelled at because I didn't want to cut the grass. I'm like, well, there's flowers. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not going to kill the flowers. I'm not cutting the grass. <laughs> so you know, I don't know. I'm way more for the the, the wild look and, and preserving the nature rather than the manicured lawn. Yeah. yeah. Like like my perfect yard would be like all wildflowers. Oh, yeah, that's the best. The only thing that's bad is my allergies. There are killers for my allergies. Really? Yeah, I went to a wedding once that was in a field of wildflowers. And for like two days afterwards, I was jacked up. You know there's a plant for that, too. There is? Yeah. Have you heard of nettles? Yeah. Like stinging nettles? Um... If you drink that tea or you take it in capsules, that helps reduce the histamine effect. Hmm. So I can do that for my summer allergies, my spring allergies, yeah. stuff like that, is nettles. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if I can find it in the wild here. You could. You would just want to dry it. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's real prickery, so you just want to dry it and then grind it up. I have to look it up, see where I can get it. I would like to try to just get it naturally rather than buying it in the store. Mm-hmm. Sound like your grandfather. A little bit. I mean, I'm all, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wish I could be like him. You know, my dad was the complete opposite. He, hmm. he, he I mean, he was he was a, had a landscaping business, but like weeds and shit were his enemy. Like he didn't, he didn't embrace it. Like like he was out there with the weed killer, pulling the crap out of the ground, and <laughs> getting mad because it was killing his grass. Things seem to skip a generation sometimes. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? You you probably have a lot of in your area. Probably have poison ivy, and oh, like tons the, of poison ivy. Yeah. What I find so cool is that. Um, always where you find poison ivy, you also find jewelweed. And jewelweed is one of the best remedies for poison ivy. Really? Yeah. You, you, if you like brush on the poison ivy, you can find the jewelweed, chew up some leaves, put it on there, and no, no itchy, you know? Isn't that cool? I wish I knew that when I was a kid because I used to get poison ivy all the time. <laughs> and, and I'd always end up with it on parts of my body that you would never want it. Yeah. Which <laughs> and poison oak. Yeah. Yeah.
And I always thought like poison oak was a cool looking plant. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean poisonous plants have a lot to teach us as well. And and that's one of the things like about flower essences is you can take the the poisonous flowers because it's like a homeopathic essence. So you can actually work with certain plants that you can't work with herbally. Hmm. I've always associated the poisonous flowers with uh, women that I shouldn't be messing around with. You know, <laughs> so, it's like they're beautiful. You like, you want, I want to touch it, but I know they're going to pay for it later on. <laughs> Sounds like a fair comparison. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've learned from plants. <laughs> Um, so before we wrap it up well actually let's talk about your podcast a little bit because you have a podcast too right yeah i do it it looks like you put out um you know i guess it's been a while since you put out the episode hasn't it it has i took a little sabbatical i did a a weekly episode every week for three years straight Mm -hmm. and i loved it um it's one of the things I really need to get back to. I thought I was going to take a break for a month and it turned into a year. <laughs> but podcasting is fun. So you're going to revive the podcast? I want to revive it, but I want to do something different. I kind of want to do, um, you know, that column in the newspaper when we were younger called Dear Abby? Mm-hmm. The advice one? I, yeah. Like, I just want to like... I, you know, I'm not sure if it would if it would fly or not, but I would love for people to just like call in with challenges, and then I could connect them with flowers. That would help. Cool. You think people would listen to it? People will listen to anything. Hmm. If they listen to me, they'll listen to you definitely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm surprised that people listen to me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You don't know who's out there listening, you know, people in different countries. And I took an herbalism class from this. There's this herbalism legend here in Phoenix who's 80 years old. His name is Peter Bigfoot. And here I am out in the desert in a class with him. And this woman comes up to me and says, oh, my God, I was struggling in my life. I was having the worst time. And every week I would listen to your podcast and it made me feel better. And it's like, what? You know, I mean, you just like. I'm sure you have those experiences too, where it's like you just you don't know. You yeah, know, you don't know. Yeah. Like, I get, I get like fan mail, and I'm like, really? It's <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Being in the desert, do you drink cactus juice? Uh, like, can you just like go and poke a hole in the cactus and get some juice? Cactus are very not easy to work around. I mean, you need to... Actually, funny you should mention in that class was the first time, actually, that I just ate fresh cactus. You need a good knife, and you just sort of, like, peel off the needles and the skin, and the flesh is delicious. So you can. I mean, you can survive out in the desert eating cactus, but you just need a good knife. Mm -hmm. Have you done it? Yeah, prickly pear cactus I've eaten, and um, it's like a form of hedgehog cactus. It's all you cut it, you cut off the needles, and it's almost like a cucumber. 
And then the prickly pear one is more like a like a paddle, um, like a beaver tail. Mm-hmm. Super cooling. So you really that one you really only want to eat in the summertime when it's really hot because it co- cools your body down. Mm. But it's you know for like burns and stuff on the skin, it's better than aloe vera. Really? There's so much medicine in the desert. It's unbelievable. That's good to know if I ever get stuck in the desert. <laughs> I'll just bring a good knife with me. Exactly. <laughs> and watch out for rattlesnakes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for being on. And before we wrap it up, where's the best place for my listeners to find you and find your book? Yeah, so we're at Lotus Way. Lotus like the flower, wei.com. Um, we also have the Self-Arising Nature Center here in Phoenix. People can come and visit. We have a wellness center and a store and then all the social media channels. We're happy. Like I, my team is just so happy to connect people with flowers and remedies. So please, if you're interested, do reach out. That's awesome. And it's spelled way, kind of like a woo way, right? Exactly. Yeah. I caught that. Mm. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for being on and hang on for one moment while I play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to... Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.